Welcome back to the Georgia 2022 show uh, on this happy Mother's Day. I hope you at least called your mother. Uh, we are, I'm joined by my host, Christine Dolan. She's back from my, our Ohio coverage, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, today, we were to have attorney uh, Courtney Kramer, who worked with True the Vote on the investigation as far as the uh, election fraud investigated in Georgia, but she had to pull out here recently this morning due to travel and Mother's Day issues, which we understand completely. So she won't be joining us. But Michael Doherty, uh, who is really been fighting uh, election fraud and fraud in Georgia, corruption in Georgia for almost two decades, is going to be with us and go in not just briefly into his own story, but what he has experienced in Georgia on the election fraud. And also we, we want to uh, talk to Dr. Paul Brown, who is running in Georgia 10 for the congressional seat there. So he'll be on to wrap up the show. But Christine, before we get started, welcome and, and tell us about our uh, our experience in Ohio. Well, it was, it was interesting. I mean, we went out there for two reasons. One was the primaries in Ohio and uh, last Tuesday was really the kickoff of the primary season across the United States, even though Texas was several weeks back. Um, and the one reason why we're taking a look at Ohio is because um, Governor DeWine, who was running for re-election on the Republican side, was challenged by several people, one being Joe Blythestone. Joe Blythestone is a cattle rancher. He's, he stands for medical freedom. He refused to shut down his restaurant, uh, and he uses his uh, prop some of his property for events. And he just decided that he did not want to... Um, uh, shut up or stay home. And he, he basically was a medical freedom guy um, down to earth uh, all over the state. And what Joe was trying to do uh, through the state was just focus on the medical freedom because juxtapositioning his stance with Governor DeWine's. Governor DeWine was pretty draconian in terms of the shutdown. And he also very, it was the first governor uh, to basically say when they started releasing the, the vaccine shots that, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm losing my voice. Uh, he, he offered the lottery. It was a million dollar, you know, to participate in a million dollar lottery if you, if you took a vaccination. So Joe was uh, out there speaking, speaking wildly, but uh, nevertheless, he did come in uh, under, but I think it was at the end of the day, he was in the 20s percent. And he did it. He, <clears throat> he came in third, and uh, Mike Dewine uh, won with forty-eight percent in the primary. On the other side of the Senate race, uh, Trump had been in recently to Ohio, and he was he was out there stumping for J.D. Vance, mm -hmm. and J.D. Vance won, and so that's an open seat where Senator Portman is resigning and uh, not running again. So. You know, Ohio is a big state uh, in terms of the primaries because it is Trump country. Uh, at the same time, Mike DeWine um, is, is he's thought of it as being part of the establishment. And the, the question with all the people in Ohio now is whether or not he it looks possibly that he will get reelected in the fall. But it raises a question of where everybody stands, because a lot of people are just sick to death of all the shutdowns, the mandates mm -hmm. uh, and everything. And so it's 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 a hot seat with an open Senate race, as well as an incumbent uh, governor who, in fact, you know, made people angry. And, you know, there is a vested interest um, when you take a look at the financial disclosures that the governor has. He has he does have investments in pharmaceuticals. The, there is a connection between Ohio State University and the Wuhan lab. So there's more stories that we're going to be reporting on uh, from the state of Ohio going forward through the 2022 election. So tell us briefly, we were involved in an event with Children's Health Defense, which swimmingly went, went really, really well. So um, can you tell us about that uh, in a minute or two? Yes, yes. So uh, children's, the, the head of Children's Health Defense in, for the Ohio chapter, um, Nadara Garrity, asked us to uh, come out and to host her event. Uh, at the state capitol. And so there were several hundred people that were there. I think maybe 300 or four, 300 people it looked like to me. And we did a live stream and there were three panels. We had a panel of uh, Vax injured, some of whom you and I have uh, uh, interviewed in the past. Mm -hmm. 
And then it was very emotional, very emotional, um, because many of them had not spoken out in public. They had done interviews, but they hadn't really been on a, some of them were just new to doing the panels. And they were um, physically, you could tell on some of these people, you could actually see the shaking. And um, mm -hmm. it was very emotional. I mean, I don't think there was a dry eye that was in, in the room when they were uh, giving their testimonies. It was, and then the second panel was doctors, Pierre, Corey, Paul Merrick, and, and Dr. Uh, Dr. Paul, you know, immediately came up to me during the vaccinate, during the Vax injured panel. And he said, Christine, I, I, I need to help them. I mean, he is, Paul Merrick has such a heart. And so he wanted to speak before the panel and he got very emotional because yeah. he said, you know, these people need to be helped and they just need to be helped. And the third panel, we had um, alternative medicine uh, and, and also because we're finding out now that, there's, you know, there's lawsuits going on. We had lawyers that were on the third panel, but there's, but they're really, nobody seems to be getting the treatment that they need. And behind mm -hmm. the scenes, you know, one of our friends actually had an episode and that was a rude awakening. I felt very emotional about it um, to witness something like that. And it's, it's, it's terrifying because one minute you can be okay. And the next minute, you know, yeah. something happens and you get triggered. So it was it was a good event. Uh, I think it woke a lot of people up. I think people were energized. And we certainly had our dear friend Kevin Jenkins at the very end energizing everybody before yeah. they before they they kicked us out of the state capitol. And it wasn't a rally, but it turned at the end it was a little bit of a rally. But it but it was basically a conference to educate mm -hmm. people because there are some uh, pieces of legislation that they're trying to push through, not as bad as it is in uh, California for the 10 pieces of uh, legislation that are very, very draconian. Um, but they, it still is a, it's a control issue to push for the kids because it's very clear that the pharmaceutical and the Biden administration and the Democrats uh, and now even some Republican governors like De DeWine want to push and get these get these vaccinations into kids as young as six months of age, even though the vax injuries keep on rising. Yeah, we uh, we also found out that the GOP controlled House and the uh, the House, you know, Ohio State House was blocking uh, certain websites during the event, uh, like gab.com, free free sites, and also the uh, Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. So they did not want, the GOP did not want this information to get out. So you can see DeWine is in bed with uh, someone pushing the vaccines. So Absolutely. And, and, and his financial his financial disclosures, you know, show that he is invested in pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So we are running a poll right now, CD Media Big Data Poll, uh, with Rich Barris, who is currently polling Georgia. And one of the questions we're gonna focus on, obviously the Kemp, uh, you know, Kemp Purdue race. And by the way, we'll have uh, Governor, Governor gubernatorial candidate David Purdue on the show next weekend, uh, next Sunday. So uh, we're gonna focus on that race and also down ballot. But we're also gonna ask about people's faith uh, in the Georgia GOP to, to run elections fairly. So those questions are being asked uh, because we've had guests on the show and reported a lot on the Georgia record as to what's happening. And it's not just in Georgia, it's across the country where, uh, for lack of a better word, Rhino GOP establishment is preventing election integrity uh, across the nation. Uh, with that, um, we're waiting on Mike to come on. He'll be here shortly. But I wanted to say, Christine, that uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, I uh, had some back problems and uh, I have problems from flying helicopters and and sleeping is, you know, nerve issues in the back and, and sleeping is a big issue. So I went to MyPillow.com and I ordered the mattress topper, the Regal sheets, the comforter and the duvet cover and the MyPillow. And man, that completely solved any problems that I had as far as sleep. I lay down on the mattress top where it's like sleeping on a hard cloud, I call it. And you have grandma's comforter on top and it's just perfect. So people can go to MyPillow.com and put in uh, promo code CDM. And get all the discounts right now. They have the sheets are their best discounts, but they also have two for one options. So you can go to cdm.press and see our articles there on the two for one issues. Use promo, C promo code CDM for the maximum discount. And with that, um, let me let me ask you something about Ohio. Uh, you know, besides just the uh, and by the way, it's live streamed on our site, so you can go and and see the uh, the entire six hours plus. I think it was. Of, of the entire live stream. 
Um, I found the doctors there, uh, especially the Indian gentleman, and I forget his name, extremely effective and powerful. Um, Esposito, Dr. Yeah. Esposito. Tell, tell me about him. I mean, because people can go and find, and he was in the third panel, correct? Yes, he was in the third panel. And he has been, um, he, he runs an institute. Um, he's mm -hmm. a very spiritual man. Um, matter of fact, he, his, one of his brothers is a, is a actor uh, in, in Hollywood. And uh, he, he uh, Kanjari is, is just, he's, he's very grounded and he's been involved with trying to change uh, people's perception of, you know, what these vaccinations are about. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, uh, has worked with uh, Nadara, uh, Garrity mm -hmm. over on the, the legislation. Um, he has spoken before the, the state house in the, in the past. And he, and he, he thinks that there should be Liberty councils and people need to be engaged. He really called to action people to wake up, get involved, get engaged, reach out to your congressmen, your legislators, you know, do not sit on the bench. As I say, you know, this is no time for anybody to sit on the bench. And he's, he's, he was, he's, he's in leadership with Nader for, for these, these uh, Ohio bills. Mm -hmm. to we, to we had some attorneys on also who are involved in multiple. Yes. Yeah. Warner Warner is involved with so many so many different cases. Matter of fact, Brooke Jackson um, from Texas, who was the Pfizer whistleblower, was in the room while she although she was not on the panels. But uh, yeah, he is he's representing her and he's representing a lot of people. He's got a very, he's got a huge menu of different types of cases, whether they're universities or whether they're vax injured. And he's working together with, I mean, I think he told me 16, 16 other lawyers on this, just a bevy of cases. And the, the night before the event, as you and I both know, um, Bobby Kennedy came in for the, the night before and um, you know, he, he spoke from the heart at the dinner, as as did, you know, all of us, I think, because everybody wants to see what what where this is going, because the, the facts injured, as we as we have reported now um, or for, you know, last, since last year are real and they're not getting any better. That's what's so sad. People were telling me at the event, uh, the March mandate uh, event in L.A., that a lot of people had some episodes there as well. And they, they just, they can feel the episode coming on, their body is in trauma. When we say episode, we had people at the event who literally lost control of their bodies during the event, or seizures or mm -hmm. you know, severe shaking so that they could not uh, deal with the issue, right? Oh, it's terrifying. It's, yeah. it's, it's terrifying to watch it because this was a nurse and and she shook the entire time. She's in a wheelchair. She had to be held uh, helped to get up on the stage. Um, she can't she can't stand up without shaking, and she has to wear a belt around her waist that has a handle on it for her therapist, so she doesn't fall and hit her head. I mean, yeah. you know, th these are when you see what happens. Uh, it's not just a still photograph. You're seeing mm -hmm. it in motion. It's right. terrifying. Because you can you can get one of these hot shots and, and your life is never the same. And that's the part I think that people don't understand. It's not, you know, people sometimes people will say, well, you know, you can take some type of treatment and get better. No, in some cases, you cannot use your legs. I mean, Candace uh, Hayden, who came in from Michigan, is a vice president of a company in Michigan. She's a professor. She has her Ph.D. She teaches ethics. Uh, she used to compete in triathletes, you know, three or four times a year. And she she's in great shape. She worked out, during lockdown in 2020. She worked out 365 days. She was so proud of herself. And then she went and she got a, a shot and she, she was OK. Then she got the second shot. And two weeks and four days later, you know, she she couldn't stand up. And so, you know, th this is devastating to yeah. what happens to the body. For a lot we of were told by uh, I forget the doctor I think it was Merrick is it Malik or uh, Merrick Paul uh, Merrick Paul Merrick uh, he was saying that the boosters are especially dangerous because it basically uploads this toxin to your body in such a quantity that your body can't process it all and so you know the, the later on shots are really 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 dangerous in addition uh, to the early ones um, and we heard some news from Bobby Kennedy himself that he thinks he was vaccinated at the dinner correct. Well, he, I mean, he, he, from years ago, from years yeah. ago, he's yeah. not certain, but from years ago, uh, he, yeah. he felt that he may have been 
the, I think it was the flu shot. And and we and you know, Nadara's injury is from the Gardasol. Um, mm-hmm. so and and she has a daughter, you know, who who was hit was injured. So I mean, this 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 is this is a conversation that people need to you know get involved with and ask questions and and realize that this is this is not safe and effective for everyone. Yeah. It just isn't. And, and and there needs to be a reality check here, especially in light of the, the conversation we had you know, earlier today about what's happening with the WHO, because the Biden administration has a piece of paper that we're going to be putting out there um, that was sent over from um, one of the head of the global office at uh, HHS to to the uh, WHO, basically saying that, you know, we, the United States, the Biden administration now wants to turn over our health sovereignty to the WHO and 47 other countries are supporting it and they're going to be voting on this. And there's some amendments to this initial document that was sent over in January. And we're going to be putting out those amendments. And it's a very important time because this is when this is the month. It's not just with the, we're in the middle of primaries now. This mm-hmm. is the month that the WHO is going to be meeting in Geneva, Switzerland on May 22nd to the 28th, and they're going to be voting on whether or not that we should be handing over our U.S. sovereignty health program to the, the director of the WHO. This is the most insane thing in the world because this, this, this is, to me, this is one of the biggest stories that's out there. I don't think people really believed that this reset meant that we were going to be turning over our health to the U.N. Because that's, the the that's just the story. It's the whole vaccine passport system uh, Chinese social credit score, et cetera. So right. just for our audience, we are we had one guest drop off, uh, Courtney Kramer, attorney, who was going to speak about the True the Vote investigation. And we're waiting on Michael Doherty, who's coming on any minute now. We called and he's coming on early. So uh, he said 10 minutes, oh, about 12 minutes ago. So we're, we're, uh, we're waiting. Uh, and then we'll have Dr. Brown on to wrap the show up. Christine, let's talk about our future coverage. We're going to work on Georgia, obviously, coming through the election, uh, but where else are we going to be focusing on? Uh, well, we're going to we're going to be you know every Tuesday is uh, mm-hmm. sort of the big day for the for the primary, so we're going to be covering them um, as we go through. But we're we're going to be looking at places like Pennsylvania, which is very very important, and we're going to be looking at um, you know in Texas and in California. I mean, California, I, I don't think that there's going to be any big upsets out there, although. If these if these pieces of legislation pass in California and they're very draconian, we have recently did an interview with Amy Bond that's on our site, and it and I went through the the pieces of legislation with her. It's like door number one, door number two, and they're they're really something to be said. I mean, you, if the one piece of one piece of legislation in California says that uh, you can't criticize. You can't challenge the government narrative. Uh, so that that chips away at freedom of speech. Uh, we're going to be looking in Talbot County in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had a lot of kickups in Talbot County over the, the Confederate statue. There's a piece of legislation coming out of the state house that goes into effect that uh, the sheriffs in each of the counties cannot reprimand their own employees. They're, they're, now it's, it, 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 there's going to be a county county council commission set up but and they're going to appoint citizens to sit on the citizen commission to reprimand the men and women who work for the sheriffs in all the counties in maryland i mean so it that is making people crazy um because these are these aren't necessarily people who have law enforcement or criminal justice backgrounds they may not even be cops and that it, that that power is going to come from the county council so the county councils runs in the in the state of Maryland are all ginned up for the you know the primaries and going into the fall so real quickly before we bring Michael on uh, we are opening two new papers this month uh, mm-hmm. in addition to the Georgia record the Connecticut Sentinel uh, spelled with a C. It's a, an old name from 1776. We'll be live hopefully by the end of the month, as long as as well as with the Miami Independent, which will be live uh, before the end of May. Also, we're trying to go to places where we can really make a difference to focus our resources on helping to turn the tide against this globalist agenda. I'm going to bring on Mike Doherty now. Mike, <laughs> I guess, John. 
a live show. Thank you for scrambling. I appreciate it. No problem. So look, Mike, uh, you are you have been fighting the, uh, the the corruption, not just in Georgia, but with the FBI and at the federal level for two decades now. Can you give us a 45 second overview of your case? And then let's talk about Georgia a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I was a healthcare entrepreneur. My company got a call by a cyber criminal who said he wasn't a cyber criminal, who found our patients out in cyberspace, wouldn't tell us anything else we hired him. I considered that extortion. I wouldn't hire him. He turned us over to the FTC. The FTC investigated me, sued me. Um, I wrote a book about really all the rights we don't have in a civil process versus a criminal process. And that got the government really ticked. And, but a whistleblower came out and exposed some things about what was going on. Um, it was always a half truth. Uh, the things that weren't t disclosed, I didn't learn until 19 and 20 about the FBI being the party that really started the whole thing. Uh, it turned out that the cyber criminal was working with the FBI and the Justice Department in Pittsburgh doing child pornography investigations. Who doesn't wanna go against child pornographers? And so in the course of that, we found in depositions only, what, 12, I mean, four, 15 years later, um, I think uh, that the, the tool that was used to, to break into my company and hundreds if not thousands of others was the tool given to this cyber company by the FBI to um, look for cyber pornographers and, or child pornographers. And essentially what this cyber criminal was doing was taking that weapon and using it to break into companies elsewhere to steal files from computers that were secure and take those high value files and make them look like they had been breached so they could sell services. So it's a it's a typical modern day shakedown racket. Money, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's textbook. Yeah. And 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 the FBI lit the match, started the forest fire, damage was everywhere, didn't learn that they, I, I think the earliest they learned, I think, that they were the ones that started all this was 2014 or 15. And their behavior since is just, we'll close that casket and don't let anybody out because the damage of that is so much broader than my case. Supreme Court Justice Breyer's files were stolen. Barack Obama's files were stolen for his Marine One helicopter plan. Coca-Cola, American Express, uh, uh, Howard University, um, uh, Goldman Sachs. I mean, it's a very, very broad. And the lessons learned along the way of when these unaccountable power grids slip on the banana peel badly and harm 700,000 cancer patients just in my business alone. Well, that the was pressure Atlanta, to right? shut this up is huge. That was in Atlanta, right? Your business. Correct. Yeah. That's, we, were, we were a national pathology lab that did prostate cancer uh, testing for all over the country. We were based in Georgia, <clears throat> and we were a Georgia company that brought in business from all over the United States. Mike, how, what what happened to the, the 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 criminal that did all this damage to you? Um, he took all his assets and moved to Florida, hide them like OJ, because it would be very difficult for the Justice Department to indict him when they were the co-conspirator. This has been accurately called the fast and furious of cybersecurity because criminals were weaponized by the government who then turned their tools on Americans. And it's very hard in the legal process to put someone in jail when you're the prosecutor that weaponized this. So was the FBI, was, was the FBI fully aware that, I mean, even though that man had a contract with the FBI to, to do the, the child, to hunt for the child pornographers, did we know that the latest that they were fully aware was 2014 and 15 because I wrote my book in 13 that motivated the whistleblower who actually was the person that did the physical theft to contact me 
I then went to Daryl Issa, who I had been building a relationship with. Daryl knew about this outfit because they had come and testified in front of House Oversight several times from 2007 on. So unbeknownst to me, he had had 40 different meetings with them before. So then when I told him what was going on, it his head exploded because it wasn't he realized how much they'd been lying to Congress. And mm-hmm. so he launched an investigation. That's the latest that they knew, because I know for sure that Daryl was contacting the FBI. And then I filed a key TAM lawsuit, which is on behalf of the government, a citizen files a case. And by law, the Justice Department must investigate. And I did that lawsuit specifically because they must investigate by law when so many of their investigations are by choice. So this is mm-hmm. legislated demand investigation. So that's the latest they knew. And if a court would ever allow us to get to discovery, which they really haven't, uh, although things are starting now finally, um, we'll learn even more. But the latest they knew was 14 and 15. They raided in 16. And then I started getting anonymous Proton emails in 16 from who we believe is Bobak with all this insider information from the FBI. And I have submitted actually those letters to Todd um, so that you can see how this insider was working with the FBI and had, had all this inside information that he, the criminal, is telling me that the investigation is closed. So the, the investigators, the FBI is telling the criminal, you're off. <laughs> and he's sending me these letters because he wants me to get off his scent. I'm the only person out of all these people with all this carnage that compromises national security that would not get off this guy's scent. And so he had to circle and confuse me. And if anyone knows me, I am nothing if I'm not a dog with a bone. So Mike, you also had an election, uh, integrity lawsuit, which was dismissed. But you have something to say about the legal process and the legal infrastructure in the great state of Georgia, the judges, the attorneys. I mean, talk to us about that from your viewpoint on how you see citizens are or are not able to get justice in the state of Georgia. Well, I will tell you, um, I think the judicial system in many states has been perfected over the past century Uh, to be full of trap doors, to allow cases to be flushed at the political whim of a judge. And um, there's just, and there's a million different type of examples, but what I ran into in Georgia uh, was evidently what's known in circles uh, if you're involved in litigation in the good old boy networks. And that is when an order comes down from the court and you're one of the parties you don't automatically get notified. Now, that is one of those fundamental things that every lawyer in many states would just assume would happen. And because my lawyer didn't pay attention every day, we were not notified that the judge in my case had finally produced his order announcing that I had lost. And the reason that was such a big deal was because that allowed me in this type of litigation to go directly to the head of the class, to the Georgia Supreme Court. But because I, you know, the opposing side, which is Perkins Coy, knows every loophole known to man, and they didn't notify us. And we didn't, my lawyer didn't know to look. He should have known to look. This is the problem with attorneys, you know, because whatever they do, the court considers you are the one that doing it. And my lawyer didn't know. So by the time we found how did out, your lawyer didn't know, how did your lawyer not know, Mike? I mean, they would have had be, it posted on the on the on the pacer in the court. It would be on the pacer side. Yes. And you have to go to check things all the time, which is not normally the case. Usually you get notified as well. But in Georgia, it's a handy little loophole in some courts in some areas that you don't get the notice. Now, if you're busy in running a regular legal practice all day long, having to go check PACER for all your cases every day is crazy. It's they didn't, they, so does the 
do the Georgia courts uh, send out the written orders to the to the lawyers? Because usually the, at the the last page it'll say it's submitted and then the, and the address. They submit it to. They do not submit it to the lawyers. They submit it to the lawyer that wrote the order. And in this case, it was Perkins Coy. So wow. they they do not have to send it to us, and they don't. And that's one of those dirty secrets. And there's tons of these examples in every state. But Georgia is one of those states where it's really easy to be a dirty lawyer, a dirty judge, or a dirty insurance carrier. You're only as good as your mama raised you in Georgia. You have a whole lot of choice to play stupid like a fox. And you have to be hyper on the ball. That's an unfortunate thing. I learned the hard way. This is a very important case. Um, I embarrassingly had to explain this to Sonny Perdue last week. I mean, you know, but he, he, he of all people knows uh, how these tricks of the trade. He was governor of Georgia for eight years. Um, this has really been a problem. Um, just many examples of the judiciary. And it's hard because, you know, as Americans, it is the last frontier of trust. We think it's sacred. Most of us never experienced the reality of it. And those of us who experienced the reality of it are shocked. And you have to experience the reality of it in several different ways. Because sometimes, I mean, I've had phenomenal judges that are an inspiration to supporting the Constitution, who speak truth to power and, are, and do go above and beyond. But like everything else, that's the 10 to 20%. The middle 80% can rely on their law clerks, can just get cliff notes, can have a huge busy docket. And the pressure on the courts in this country the past 20 years has moved to speed and clean dockets uh, and not necessarily broad and wide investigations. And that's because they're trying to protect the judicial system from these lawyers that whose 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 strategy is to drive you into the ground and procedure you to death so you know you solve one problem and you create the other and so it's um it's it's a real i think the judiciary is a very hidden reality in this country and we only learn about it i mean the one thing about the election law thing that i think affects most americans is i don't care what your opinion is about election law, but I find it massively suspect that nobody got to discovery. And that what is wrong with discovery? And this is what the people have to learn. You don't get to a, a, a jury without jumping through a ton of hoops. It is arduous to get to a jury. There's a whole lot of, of stuff and the power of the ju judiciary to stop you from getting to a jury Shining example of that is what's going on in this election integrity litigation. They've tossed everything out left and right. Tell us about that. What happened in your case with Judge Amaro? People may not know about it. Well, Judge Amaro, um, he sits there and he, you know, he. We have the room packed. We have three TV cameras there. Uh, he, my case was very different because it wasn't against Trump. It wasn't about Trump. It was about the integrity of the senator case and 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 them not following the law of election procedure and it was filed in time election law is built to be very difficult to get the judiciary you have five days from the date that it happened to make your case now who has a provable case in five days and so but we did we had it within five days because the law is that a runoff is still part of the election because there's not a final order until after the runoff. So we got to wait till after the runoff for five days. And the judge completely acted like that wasn't true and blew us out of the room in 45 minutes. After and, Perkins Coy Pro hopped in, right? And Perkins Coy Pro hopped in and mm -hmm. we have scathing, scathing, um, uh, uh, motions and briefs about the history and credibility of, 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 of Perkins Coy. This completely fell on deaf ears. He let him in on the case right then. And, you know, and then it was a fascinating observation because 
he banged that gavel and ran out of that room like there was a trap door underneath his chair. He said case dismissed so fast that all the people in the room were like the naive, hardworking women who have been poll watching for 20 years come up to me and go, oh, my gosh, he, he, I've never seen anyone leave so quickly. And I'm like, you know, you don't say, see, what I am is not naive to that. And so I, we knew we were going to have to get to an appellate court because judges look for smoke signals from the courts above them. And when they have a hot, hot potato and they're elected, they want to be forced to hear a case. So we weren't surprised by it. Everyone else in the room was surprised by it. We know the lawyer tricks and tactics, I mean, and the, and the judicial trick, tricks and tactics, but we screwed up. I mean, I didn't screw up, my lawyer screwed up. And, um, and then we had a service issue also. The law says you must serve them by the Fulton County Sheriff. Well, how are you supposed to serve them by the Fulton County Sheriff when they're senators hiding on Capitol Hill? You know, but, but judges go, well, that's what the law says. I have to interpret the law. I don't care if it's stupid and impossible. Go back and blame your legislature. I mean, they, they, they get all the excuses down. So those are the two things they sunk me with and they stopped me from getting to the Georgia Supreme Court. And then we, we filed our motion for the Supreme Court and we were accepted and we had our briefing done and Perkins Coy filed a motion over the weekend saying, this isn't even possible because, you know, they didn't reply in time. And the Supreme Court went, oh, my gosh, we didn't realize it. You're right. This is gone. And we just get this case dismissed thing on a Monday morning. And this is how they roll. And rare is it that the media can focus deep on this. Well, uh, do you have any opinions, uh, I mean, on the, the Fulton County election ballot? discovery, you know, inspection case? Well, I mean, look, I always think the American public has to save itself. And if the American public wants to sit there and justify their, at best, uninformed political choices and ignore what's so obvious when you've got physical paper that's wrong, I mean, again, it's very similar to the FBI. Do we have corruption or do we have buffoonery? And does it matter? Let's be polite. Let's be politically correct. Let's not hurt anyone's feelings because so many Americans want to be comfortable. And so let's just say it was buffoonery. Okay, it really doesn't matter. What are you going to do about the buffoonery? Evidently nothing. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's after all this, they're still sitting there, you know, sending the stuff out. Or, you know, you look at even um, Dinesh's thing, 2,000 Mules. I actually know Catherine and, and you know, her boyfriend's at my house with the data. And you and know. A year ago in July 21. Right. The three of them going through Look the data. at how you must persevere because when you have this information, you have to know in your cake that you bake that you are going to be put in a silo and put in a cannon and sent out to Neptune and that you are going to have to be in a bit of an echo chamber for a while. And then you're going to be labeled, you know, I get, I get, I get, my favorite label about me is the lone wolf conservative firebrand, <laughs> which is code to liberals of crazy man. Don't listen to him. And that's what they want. They want you to be labeled crazy man. Don't listen to him. And, and so you have to persevere and this is the thing about my case, 14 years later, um, Catherine, I mean, years, you have to persevere and you have to know you have to persevere. And it takes a long time. Look at Trump tweeting that weekend that he was being spied on by the FBI. And look at the reaction back then. I was invited on to 10 radio shows that morning. And the question was the same. Do you really think Donald Trump is being spun? That's insane. That's laughable. That's, this is even conservative radio. And I was like, well, here, here's number one. Was I there? No. Do I know that he was spied on? No. Would I believe he's been spied on? Yes. Why? Look back at the history of Donald Trump. You cannot like him, but he is not stupid. Has he ever said anything that turned out not to be true? Show me where he's gotten on a huge platform and blown his mouth off and been wrong. So this guy ain't gonna blow his mouth off. So because of that, 
Yeah, I believe it. Do I know it? Well, I happen to not have a lot of faith. My problem with the FBI and the DOJ is the people at the top are your quintessential echo chamber out of law school with their cronies, uniparty bureaucrats who think they're saving the world and only will hang with people that of our like minds. And they constantly, ever since the day when Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon, use the excuse of it's best for the American public if we just move on. <laughs> so the corruption's gotten worse. I mean, Richard Nixon is rolling in his grave right now going, and I got busted for what? <laughs> Compared to what's going on now. Because there's no accountability. And if you're like me, not financially dependent on them for your life, so they can't silence you by threatening your career, your children, like they did with Mike Flynn. Oh, you know, sign this, your kid's going to jail. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's in the legislative rule book. That's, of course, perfectly fine. Um, you know, then, then, um, then they'll just isolate and silence you and, and put a, um, you know, Michael, uh, um, put my pillow over your head. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you keep yourself. I don't think that's the commercial he wants, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? He'd probably go viral. This is the FBI with a my pillow over my head. Anyway, uh, Mike, before we drop you off, uh, any advice for citizens of Georgia of how to combat this judicial uh, leviathan you're discussing? Well, I always tell people that it's not so complicated as you think. I mean, you don't have to turn into some sort of crazy ass anarchist that's going to go, you know, getting up and down the street in the rain. The most potent thing to do is get on the phone and call these people and get to know them and let them know. I mean, I'd have to tell you, politicians are just statisticians and they're cowards. So if we blow their phones up, you don't have to call. They don't even want a long talk. You call and you should be off the phone when you call a politician between 30 and 60 seconds. Because all I want to know is what's your position and are you passionate enough to call about it? What side are you on? Um, you look at when they tried to pass cybersecurity legislation like six, seven years ago, and it was bipartisan and it was all great. And everyone thought, kumbaya, kumbaya. And the public went nuts and the phones blew up. And man, they haven't touched that thing since. There's a lot of power in just briefly and quickly, but repetitively calling your politicians because so few people do it. And that actually works. Yeah. If you just want to stay home. <laughs> Michael, thank you. We'll have you back on because uh, you're a resource. I appreciate it. All right. Good talking to you guys. Thanks. Great to see you. Bye-bye. Now we want to bring on Dr. Paul Brown, who's running in the Georgia Congressional 10th District. Uh, welcome, Doctor. Glad to be with you, uh, Christine and Todd, today. I was interested in what, um, what Mike was just saying. And let me just echo what he just said. We've got to make the politicians fearful of us and the best way to do that because they all want to be liked and very few politicians have any principle that they're going to stand firm on except for their re-election bid. That's the reason he was just saying that, mm -hmm. that uh, they're statisticians. I never uh, looked at, the, at, stat, at numbers and that sort of stuff. I'm standing on principles. In fact, these are the two documents that I stand firm on is the U.S. Constitution and God's in that word, the Holy Bible. Uh, but uh, he's absolutely correct. But if enough people contact their uh, member of Congress, whether this House of Senate, member of the General Assembly, and said, we want you to do this or else we're going to throw you out of office and find somebody else to run against you, and we're going to throw you out of office in that regard, then people will start taking note of, of all those calls. One or two doesn't matter, but if they get 10 or 20, then they multiply that by thousands, actually, because they know that if an individual calls, then they are really fired up about that. It's time to do that. Yeah. And so we've got to make the politicians understand what what we want as we the people. And that's exactly what uh, when I go back to Congress, hopefully I, uh, with the people in the 10th Congressional District voting me back in to be reelected to Georgia 10. I'm going to try to, to um, spark a revolution at the ballot box so that we can get truly constitutional, limited government people in place. 
In Hosea 4, 6, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And people all across this country, even all the way up to the Supreme Court, have no clue what government is supposed to be under the original intent of our U.S. Constitution. And that's got to change. And so the only way we can change that is for we, the people, to demand a different kind of governance. So tell us about yourself and, uh, excuse me, Christine. We'll, um, I, was, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, Paul, what, what has motivated you to get into politics? Well, I started off uh, because I like to hunt and I became a second amendment advocate and activist years ago. And that's uh, what led me into, into politics. Actually, my dad was in the state Senate here in Georgia for 38 years, wonderful public servant, great guy have a wonderful heritage in my mom and my dad, but I never uh, dreamed that I would go into politics myself. I'm an activist, I'm a pro-life activist and a second amendment activist and have been for decades for both of those. So the thing that um, I started looking at was the original intent behind the second amendment because a lot of the press, the politicians, even the federal judiciary system was saying things such as it was about um, the military and the police force when they mentioned in the Second Amendment a, a uh, militia. Well, mm -hmm. I knew, though I'm a scientist, I'm a medical doctor, and I didn't particularly care for history as a, as a high school or college student, it, it, that just didn't ring right with me. So I started studying what our founding fathers said about the Second Amendment. And I, uh, I learned very quickly it was all about preventing tyranny in this country. It's for us to be able to protect ourselves from our own government, to protect liberty. And that's what led me into studying the Constitution, and I became a, an original intent constitutionalist. I, uh, as a, an activist for hunting rights and gun owners' rights, I became the government affairs vice president for the world's largest pro-gun, pro-hunting conservation organization called Safari Club International. Mm. And I'd go with to Washington periodically as an activist in that regard to, to fight for hunting rights, Second Amendment rights, and scientific-based conservation. And the year I was supposed to be president of that, which would have been very prestigious, I thought, well, I can do more for those issues I believe strongly in by being a member of Congress. So I ran for office. It took me a couple of times, several times running to finally be elected in 2011. I, I mean, seven, I was elected in a special election here in Georgia when my predecessor um, died in office and uh, won ag actually against overwhelming odds. And um, it's because I stand firm on biblical truths. I stand firm on the Constitution of the United States as it was meant to be. And my calling politically comes from a question God asked in Psalm 11.3. And the question is, if the foundations be destroyed, what are the righteous to do? And so I'm eager to get back to Washington, to get back in the trenches. To, I'm a U.S. Marine and actually I volunteered to be deployed to Afghanistan in 2012 while I was a member of Congress. And now I'm trying to get deployed back to Washington as a U.S. congressman to fight for liberty and fight for the future of this country. And we've got so many problems that uh, where we've gotten away from those foundational principles. And it's up to we, the people, again, to demand a different kind of governance. And I want to spark that revolution in the ballot box so that the, we, the people, can start understanding what government's supposed to be. In Hosea 4, 6, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And people all the way up to U.S. Supreme Court justices have a tremendous lack of knowledge about what government is supposed to be. We're losing our liberty because of that. And I'm eager to get back in the fight. Let's One of the things we, we, we have just, it's come to our attention, okay, and we're just, we're, we're doing a show today and every Sunday now on something that is occurring that I think that every, every American should know about and everybody who's running for any elected office needs to know about. In January of this year, uh, a woman at HHS in Washington sent a document and then, and it was it was very quietly done. They sent it to the WHO, uh -huh. um, and there are forty. The U.S. government has taken the lead on this. They submitted some amendments to this doc, this January document on April twelfth. 
-hmm. And this this document is basically the Biden administration is giving this health sovereignty to the WHO. Right. And when I found out about this, I, I, I my head snapped and I thought yeah. to myself, this is something that needs to be on the table and it needs to be stopped. Amen. You're exactly right, Christine. But the the reality is that this is just a a part of what the globalists want to do. George Herbert Walker Bush, George W. Bush, all the Democrats are globalists. They didn't want to, to uh, secure the border. They all look to the United Nations for direction for everything uh, that happens in this country. They believe very firmly that the United Nations actually should supersede our own constitution, our own government. And that's the reason when I was in Congress, I introduced actually several different bills. One was the American Sovereignty Restoration Act, which has not been introduced recently. I will reintroduce that once I get back to Congress uh, very early next year. And what that act does, American Sovereignty Restoration Act, it gets the U.S. out of the U.N. and the U.N. out of the U.S. And WHO is part of the U.N. It's mm -hmm. all part of what was called Agenda 21, now Agenda 30. And right. it's towards a one world government. And we've got to fight against that. We know biblically, eventually that's going to happen. But we've got to do everything we can to help prevent that from happening. They want to control the waters of the U.S. Uh, every drop of water that falls on this country, they want to control that. They want to take away our guns through the small arms uh, treaty that uh, this administration is buying into. This is just one of many different uh, processes or, or policies that this administration is trying to very rapidly move us into that one world governance and giving the World Health Organization the control of all healthcare issues, all medical issues, is is exactly a piece of their pie to, to make us totally dependent upon the the uh, the United Nations. Also introduced when we had a foreign appropriations bill on the floor, I introduced a, an amendment to zero out funding for the United Nations, and that failed. I knew it was going to fail on voice vote. But mm -hmm. then I had a second amendment that I got a vote on just to cut our funding of the UN by only 10%. And that failed with a vote with a recorded vote. And I don't remember, I, I don't think I got 30 votes to just cut our funding of the UN by just 10%. And we fund the UN at a much higher proportion than any other uh, country that's in the UN. We've got to get out of the U.N. We've got to get the U.S. out of the U.N. and the U.N. out of the U.S. And I'm going to fight real hard to do that when I get back too. But, Christine, what you're talking about is just uh, we all ought to be just uh, absolutely petrified about that. Yes. But it even goes the, wider than that. Well, not only that, but the vote is the vote is this month because in Geneva, right. they're having the, the World Health Assembly from May right. 22nd to 28th. And so Again, this, back is, to what Mike this is on the table. Not to contact our elected representatives and inform them. Uh, I mentioned before Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed by, for lack of knowledge. We've got to make our elected representatives knowledgeable about that. I'm, I'm very pleased that y'all are doing that, but it needs to spread like wildfire all over this country that we've got to get rid of these kind of agreements. Mm -hmm. Doctor, let's talk about your uh, your district for a second. With all the redistricting, how does this, uh, the 10th district look? What are your strategies? What do your people want down there? Well, Todd, this district is basically two to one Republican, um, mm -hmm. even the way it's been redrawn. I've already represented 100 percent of the counties in the new uh, Georgia 10 congressional district. A Democrat cannot win. I've got seven opponents in the Republican primary four of whom are very wealthy and are self-funding. I'm a family doctor. I can't write checks and self-fund. So, and then we've got one candidate, a guy by the name of Vernon Jones, who's running for governor. And then uh, President Trump encouraged him or enticed him to get out of that race because Trump has a, a former U.S. Senator, David Perdue, who uh, Trump is trying to 
um, get to defeat our current governor. So entice Bernie Jones, who's a Democrat, claims that he's been conservative all of his life, which is just a bald-faced lie, uh, because his voting record does not support that. Maybe I shouldn't have said bald-faced lie, but his voting record does not support that. Uh, he's claiming to be conservative all of his life, and he um, is running now as the Trump uh, candidate, and so and Trump is helping him raise money. So I've got that guy plus the four self-funders. One of the opponents has uh, put in over a half million dollars of his own money into his race. And he's claiming to be the real Trump candidate. Well, I'm a family doctor and I'm a real congressman that I was there for four terms. And mm -hmm. I've got I was rated as the very most conservative member of the entire U.S. House of Representatives by multiple entities, both on the liberal side like MSNBC, as well as on the conservative side, groups like Club for Growth, American Conservative Union, Heritage uh, Action and et cetera. So. And the reason that I was rated that way is because I had four questions that I asked about all legislation and all four had to be yes for me to vote. Yes. The first is, is it biblically correct? Second, is it constitutional according to the original intent? Third, do we need it? Fourth, can we afford it? And if one was no, I voted no. So that's the reason MSNBC dubbed me as Dr. No. But I got a lot done there. In fact, I introduced and passed into law more spending cuts than any other member of Congress. And I don't think anybody has, has surpassed me even since then, since I've been out. I left when I ran for the U.S. Senate unsuccessfully in 2014. Went back to practice in medicine. I didn't become a gajillionaire as a lobbyist. I, I just went back to work, practicing medicine, serving the people of, of the area where I live. But... Um, the, uh, the, the thing is, I stood firm on those four questions, and I have a lot of bills that I introduced, one of which Dr. Ron Paul, when he left to run for the president, he gave me his audit the Fed bill. And actually, I got it passed in the U.S. House with more votes, and actually in a very bipartisan way, I had a bunch of Democrats actually as co-sponsors of the bill to audit the Fed. And I don't remember the exact number. It's like 333 to 98 or something like that. I mean, it was a huge vote to audit the Fed. Harry Reid threw it in the trash can. And I worked with my good friend, Dr. Rand Paul, over on the Senate side, trying to get it through the Senate. But uh, we couldn't get it through that way. But that's one of a trio of bills that I will reintroduce. I want to audit the Fed. I want to get rid of the Fed. And I want to go back to a gold and silver standard. And I'll reintroduce all three of those bills when I get back there, as well as many others. Doctor, how can people support your campaign, find out about it, uh, donate, all that stuff? Well, Todd, they can go on my website, which is paulbrown.com. Um, I see on my screen that you've got my last name spelled. It's B-R-O-U-N. My family can't spell, I can't pronounce, I'm not sure which, but it's pronounced <laughs> just like the color, but it's spelled B-R-O-U-N. Some people want to make it an A. B-R-O-U-N, paulbrown.com. They can contribute with a personal credit card there. There's an address to send a personal check. People can send actually up to uh, $8,700 right now today legally uh, with either a check or a credit card at paulbrown.com and help me get there. Um, I'm just dependent upon the people who love America, want to see America restored as the world's greatest economic power, and that is not so today uh, because of the government. But let's restore America to be the world's greatest economic power and the world's greatest, world's strongest military power by returning back to those principles and helping me get there as a U.S. Marine back in the trenches, fighting for liberty and fighting for the future of this country, fighting for constitutional limited government and for uh, sound money policies, as well as, as uh, all the things that made this country great that frankly, both political parties are destroying, presidents of both parties are destroying, and the federal court system all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court is destroying them. We've got to make some changes, and this Marine's eager to get in that, in that fight. Doctor, thank you very much. We'll have you back on down the road. Look Thanks forward for to it. It's a blessing. PaulBrown.com. And uh, let's, I, I, I pray God's blessings on each and every one of, of you there at uh, CD media. I 
pray God's blessings upon all the people who are watching today. But most importantly, America must bless God. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank God you. bless. Christine, next week we have Georgia GOP gubernatorial candidate David Perdue who will be on along with several other interesting guests. And uh, with that, that's the end of the show. Take care, guys. Till next week. Till next week. Thank you.